Buzz Crackin' Lackin' everybody, Money Smart Guy Matt Zapali here, healing to you from Dallas, Texas, and welcome to the Millionaire Goals Podcast, Episode 5. Joining me today is my co-host, Milton Alvarez. My man. My personal trainer and co-host on the show. If you're not finding us here on the podcast, you're going to find us in the gym, in the business uh, boardroom. But in this episode, we're going to be talking about multiple baby daddies, Michael B. Jordan on financial struggles. We're going to be reacting to a couple of things that uh, might uh, cause you to put the phone away from you if you're watching this on your phone, because we're going to show some pictures here that, uh, especially if you're eating lunch, you may not want to watch this uh, a future segment, so make sure you uh, kind of uh, eat now, but don't be eating there here towards the uh, back end of the show. But we're going to also be reacting to some TikTok uh, videos on money and, and finance and uh, what you should be aware of, because there's a lot of financial gurus out there, there's a lot of financial information out there. And a lot of them talk about theory, not about experience, practicality, and position of actually doing it. So we want to make sure we sift through the riffraff because we want you to start thinking like a millionaire, strategizing like a millionaire, so therefore one day you can become a first-generation cash flow millionaire. All right. Our first topic today is let's jump into this. Michael B. Jordan. So uh, speaking of Michael B. Jordan, Jordan, can you show this article? <laughs> Michael B. Jordan says life taught him how to manage money. He says he wants better for the next generation. A lot of people don't realize, but Michael B. Jordan is actually on an initiative right now. Of He partnered with a uh, financial, he's promoting a financial literacy education for Black History Month mm -hmm. uh, for students and student athletes. Uh, Jordan uh, believes that he could have a better place today if he had received financial education at a younger age. And he's partnered with Invesco Triple Q to create a men's college basketball showcase featuring historically black college and uh, black college and uh, university student athletes with the aim of getting people excited about learning how to smartly manage their money. So, uh, listen, how many of you watching this right now learn more from your good experiences with money versus your bad? I think a lot of people don't realize is that the financial education that we do receive, sadly, is when life hits us squarely in the face, uh, just like relationships. But isn't it funny that we don't learn about relationships and money in school, but yet when we do life, when we adult, that's exactly the topics that we really need to be on the up and up about because those are things that cost us, sadly, time and money and relieve a lot of depression today, relieve a lot of anxiety today, relieve a lot of financial stress today, and incorporate a lot more confidence today, a lot more certainty today, and people will have a little bit more strength and understanding. If I got financially literate, if I got myself a financial education, if I got exposed and became aware of what people do good and, and do bad in, in regards to finances, they'd be in a much different financial position today than they are fighting themselves. So uh, when did you start learning about money, Milton? During your good experiences or your bad? 2020, COVID. That's when co I, really? That's what pushed me to start learning. You know, um, I, I'm reading here this art, I'm reading this article here that says that less than 12% of students are required to take a standalone personal finance course to graduate from high school outside of the six states that mandate it. But only 7.4% of the black and brown students are required to take that class. So that automatically seeing those seeing those numbers is showing actually I was part of that small percentage that Me was, too. it wasn't required. Yeah. And even, yeah. even if it was, I probably wouldn't have taken it because I didn't see the finance to be a big thing. But then that threw me into the world with zero to almost nothing of understanding what, how money works, what money is, even how credit works, which is what drove me to a lot of depth in my early 20s, which is up to this day, I'm still paying off. You know, I uh, are reminded of me filing bankruptcy in 1996, coming back from a deployment. In one year, I uh, came back from the deployment. By the way, this is one year, chronological true story. It's in my uh, first page of my book, Faith Made Millionaire. And first year, come back from a deployment, get married, have a kid, file for divorce, file for bankruptcy. All in one year. It's my motivational year of change and transformation. <laughs> I'm laughing at it now, man. I tell you, I was crying about, crying about it. But Michael B. Jordan, salute to you. And, and by the way, I just want to go over, I was studying Michael B. Jordan outside of his obvious name, but I was doing a little bit of studying. When some, sometimes people look at a Michael B. Jordan, they see, they see the success, they see Creed. He just launched uh, Creed uh, 2. Uh, he did Creed 2 in uh, 18 and just launched <clears throat> Creed 13. Uh, Creed, I'm all mixed up here. Creed 3. In 2023, um, which also marks his directorial debut, but he he had a lot of good movies out there. He had uh, Without Remorse, uh, had a lot of success with Black Panther, Creed Two, Creed, Fantastic Four, but he also had some failures, mm. which uh, movies like The Awkward Moment and uh, Just Mercy. By the way, I love the movie Just Mercy for the critical acclaim that it got. 
I'm surprised that it didn't get a lot more attention because it only grossed 50 million worldwide. But when you're looking at the, these type of movies, I mean, you look, for example, Black Panther, you know, grossed 1.3 billion worldwide. Uh, Without Remorse 2021, Jordan has paid a whopping $15 million for starring in Amazon's Without Remorse, where he features opposite Rocketman's Jimmy Bill and Anna Boylan's uh, Jody Turney Smith. So you look at uh, uh, Creed two, $214 million worldwide. So he's had a lot of success in his career. But a lot of people don't realize that uh, he also had a lot of um, uh, tough times too as well. So uh, you work with a lot of entrepreneurs. You work with a lot of uh, uh, clientele that uh, are successful business. Obviously, they have to be able to afford you. But uh, it's, it's, you know, you're not, you're, you're not your uh, $75 an hour trainer, you know, at, at the USC or, or, or these box gyms. But when you see our entrepreneurs, where do you find them having the most amount of experience from, the good or the bad experiences Definitely. from finances? Surprisingly, you would think that a lot of entrepreneurs that exist nowadays, a lot of people assume like, oh, they came for money, they got something handed down to them, or they just got uh, lucky. But majority of the entrepreneurs that I work with currently right now, every single one of them came from some form of struggle. And that struggle is what made them either sink or swim. They either stayed stuck in their situation or they made that decision to take massive action towards changing their financial life. Especially because some, a lot of them had kids, yeah. going through divorce, whatever the case may be, but they had no other option but to win during, during that time, time of their life, which led them to where they're at today, including yourself, man. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, by the way, I'm asking you, where did you learn more about money, your finances, during the good times of your finances or during your struggle? And if you had financial education early on in your life, what specific topics about financial education would you prefer? So <clears throat> I get asked this question a lot. Matt, if you're in your 20s and you had to do your 20s all over again, what would you do different in regards to money? Here's what I would do different in my, in my, in my 20s. Number one, it's not a financial it's not a financial play. It's a personal development and relationship play. I got to find out who I am. You're out there at the clubs. You don't know who you are. You're out there spending money. You got your club buddies that you call on Thursday nights. What's up, bro? What, what, what are you going on? What are we doing? Right? You remember those guys? That, you're your crew because you can't roll up into a club by yourself. Can't afford it. And so in that process, and by the way, that's where I got found a girl I got married to, had a kid with, and got divorced with. So the rule there is never meet a girl at Kokomo's. So that's number one, <laughs> and marry her, right? And uh, uh, number two, establish your credit early. I ruined my credit early. I came back from a military deployment. I couldn't pay my monthly payments. was 500 bucks a month. My military paycheck was 850 a month. Excuse me, 850 every two pay, uh, uh, pay periods. 850 every, uh, every two weeks. I could not afford to keep up. I was paying more in credit card payments than I was getting my military pay. So the guy said, hey, go down the street, go, go see Susan, and go file bankruptcy. I said, what's bankruptcy? Oh, they should just wipe off all your debt. Really? That's it? For the cost of one credit card payment, I can wipe out all my debt? Yeah, no problem. So I did it without realizing for the next five to seven years, I'm, I'm wrecked. Can't apply for another mortgage. Can't apply, even if I had a VA loan, can't apply for renting an apartment, can't apply for a credit card, car loan. Craziest thing. But here, here's what I also saw. I couldn't apply for the traditional ones. I could apply for the hard luck. I'll give you a credit card. You just filed bankruptcy. I'll give you some credit here, but at 50% interest rate. So that's number two, get your credit square in. Number three, it sounds cliche, but listen, the biggest thing you got going for you is time if you're young. Mm -hmm. So tuck, I don't care if it's 25 bucks a month, 50 bucks a month, 100 bucks, 200 bucks a month, start tucking money away now because time will compound your money. If you're putting that money inside an index universal life insurance policy, even if you're sticking inside a mutual fund, you open up a TD Ameritrade account. The reason I'm part, uh, partial to TD Ameritrade, they sponsored uh, us during a, a personal financial reality show in 09. Put your money away. Get that money growing and compound. Don't put it in the bank. Put money, if you say, Matt, I, I, said, I hear these guys put money in the bank. Yeah, put an emergency fund in the bank. But if you want your, your compounding growth money that down the road, get that money working for you. I've got like six different index universal life insurance policies. Why? Because I can put that money in there. It can grow uh, with the S&P 500 growth. No downside risk. And then when I, anytime I want to, two, three, three. Years later, four years later, I was able to withdraw money from those uh, policies, go get my car, pay my policy back, what I was about to pay a car payment to the bank with, by paying back my own money. With, by the way, life insurance is a zero-cost wash loan in these, in these policies these days. Boom. And that's how I was never able to say, hey, car company, can you loan me money to buy a car? It's not that. These days, I do that to build business credit. But yeah. from a personal uh, credit standpoint, I'm not doing that type of stuff. So anywho, let's move on to the next subject here. Um, 
<clears throat> we're looking at uh, uh, this lady here. She's got uh, 11 kids with eight different men, okay? 11 kids with eight different men. See, this is what happens when, this is what happens when uh, you, you're in a situation where you, you, you're, instead of finding the right relationship, you just settle and you're in the wrong relationship. Uh, let me get this uh, article up here. I, I just lost it. Boom. Uh, let me get uh, here in a second here. Um, all right, Jordan, let's take a look at this article right here. Uh, 11 kids with eight different men. She says, I'm not ashamed. It's an advantage. Um, Jordan, could you play that TikTok video with her uh, on it as well, too, as well, because it's, it's not come up on my end. It's uh, her explaining why she has 11 kids with eight different men. Let's take a look at this. One thing I'm sick of having to explain is why I have eight baby daddies, okay? So I'm explaining this one time for y'all so it won't be any more questions, okay? Let me explain this. If you have one and you take away one, you have zero. But if you have eight and you take away three, you still have five. It's your future, bro. That's your, that's, that's your future. Man. You, don't get your, you don't get your stuff together. That's your future, man. <laughs> what's, I'm about to become a baby daddy. What's your, what's your thoughts on this, man? By the way, would you deal with a girl that has, I mean, real talk, would you, would you mess with a girl that you know she's already have, she already has 12, she, she's got 11 kids, you potentially might be the 12th, and she's got kids with eight different men? Would you mess with her? Hell no. Why? I, my first question is, you know, <laughs> Shorty, respectfully, I'm sorry, mm -hmm. Chicago, that's Chicago coming, coming out of me, guys, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, what's your issue? What's going on? You know, you know, what's going on with it, within her? What identity issues is she going through? Does she have daddy issues? And but now on a, on a, more, ser on a, on a more serious topic, you know, what, what's her past? What happened to her as a child? Now, now all these psychological questions start, start pouring into my head. But me, as a man, personally, <laughs> I come across her page, she DMs me, we start flirting, I find out she has multiple baby daddies, and she's 100% okay with the idea of having multiple fathers for these multiple children that, that, that she has. I automatically will shut that down completely. But definitely going to be very curious on why it is that she's in a position that she's in and happily engaging in this trend that she's trying. She's actually trying to have more kids. She wants to have an even number, according to one of her uh, TikToks that she posted not that long ago. I'm okay with one. I'm okay with you know. With, you know what, Matt? I'm in an age right 31. 31 years old. I'm, I'm, yeah, an, I'm okay. in an age right full, now. Full disclosure, everybody. 31 years old. He's I'm, in his 30s. I'm in an age right now where it's no longer as it's no longer unattractive to date a woman who has a child. It, it comes with a package mm -hmm. sometimes. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe my early 20s. Hell no. You know, mid 20s. Hell no. Why? Right, what's the stigma? Huh? What's the stigma? What's the stigma for you? What do you mean? They deal with the girl with the, with a kid in the 20s. It's just I I feel like there's more of a <laughs> This is gonna sound really shallow, but at, you know, a guy in your twenties, you 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 think very shallow, especially if you grew up in an environment where it's just about you know looks, you know the experiences with the woman. You're trying to build your you're trying to build your business, your legacy, or even if you don't, you're not trying to do that. You just you care more about the status, who she is, the bags that she comes with, and then the older you get, and I think I think that's also that that uh, finance, finance play play a big role in mm -hmm. that because now that I'm in my I'm 31 years old in my 30s and financially a little more stable with my life. It doesn't seem as bad, you know, having a woman in my life who has a child. Because at the end of the day, I understand that she's a package. She comes with yeah. a child. Yeah. Yeah, for, for me, uh, listen, I got married at 22, 23 years old, I think it was. Yeah, anyway, I got married in my early 20s. And she had a kid, right? And my response to her was, hey, man, a lot more of you to love, okay? Uh, and and I, I think it's beautiful if a, if a woman is there doing her best to take care of her child and things didn't work out with the baby daddy, hey, salute, salute to her. Kind of tells me what my future could be like for her, the way she treats her kid. And I can see that right away. I can project what she looks like if I have a kid with her. I see real time how she's taking care of the kid, et cetera, et cetera. So that's why I, that's why I looked at it. Um, but if I see a pattern of sleeping around and dating around, and I, I get you, you have, you have a kid with one, one, one baby daddy, but if it's two or three, that's a pattern. By the way, that was my situation. I had, uh, I had twins with a, another woman and I had uh, a son with another woman. I had two baby mamas. And so I identified right away that I was in a pattern. And bro, for like three, two, three years, I was having zero sex. I was like, I'm in, I'm in a pattern. It's, uh, 
It was self-service. <laughs> you know right? But, you know, it's it, because I was afraid of getting in a, in a situation where, as a man, you have a kid, you're in, you know you're in court right away. Immediately. You, you're, she's going to leverage that to, to, to pay her bills to as well, and rightfully so. But back, back to this situation, 11, she's treating men in this TikTok, in this video, she's treating men like people deal with mutual funds. <laughs> if I have one stock and it goes down, I'm down to zero. But if I got 11 and I lose six, I still got five. Hello? <laughs> you know, that, that's, by the way, that's good financial management. A lot of women consider that that's, that's diversification of risk. What she's talking about is diversification of risk. I wonder if she asked, got asked from a financial standpoint, do you have these guys, do you guys have all, uh, these guys in, in court? The eight different men in court. You know why? Because if you have one guy with multiple kids, there's only so much of his paycheck you can take and mm -hmm. you can garnish from the court system. But if you got, in this case, eight different men, you have eight different cases with the court system, you can have 20%, 30% of their income with that guy, 20, 30% of this guy, blah, blah, blah. Now that is a income stream. That's, in this multiple. case, it would be multiple streams of multiple income. Multiple streams of income. <laughs> yeah. So. She hacked the system. Listen, you know, young lady, uh, I hope that you get your, your, your life together. Um, the hardest thing for me, raising children with uh, different parents, is the different value system of when they come home from spending time with their mom on the weekends. By the way, I had residential custody of my, my kids. Kids were all raised, I raised my kids, I was a single dad, three kids. They were raised in my school district. I picked them up, I dropped them off, martial arts, ballet, all that stuff after school, church, all the stuff after school, because I wanted to get my life together. One thing for sure, and for the parents out there, I wonder if you resonate with this statement. I thought I was out there perfecting my kids. The whole time not realizing the kids were perfecting me. I had to get straight on my value system. I had to get straight on my, my schedule. I had to get straight on my principles. I had to get straight on what I wanted to incorporate into their life because I wanted them not to make the mistakes that daddy was making. To me, that's wealth. I want to pass on wisdom. And so this isn't wise. Uh, this sounds good for the short term, maybe. That's your value system to have uh, multiple uh, uh, children, multiple folks. Uh, by the way, what's the other actor, Drumline? Um, Nick Cannon. Nick, he's got he's the same situation. He's got multiple baby mamas. Multiple. Multiple baby mamas. Three and they're all okay sleeping with each other. So uh, that, for me, that doesn't resonate with me. Uh, listen, I've, I've got married to one wife. And we've been married now for eight years. We celebrated last week. I'd tell you this, I got enough on my plate with one wife, let alone having eight or nine. <laughs> Come on. So uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, what are your thoughts on, on this? Um, and also, Erica Baidu was also pushing back on this. So, uh, Jordan, can we, Eric, the, you know, the artist, Erica Baidu is pushing back on the stigma of having multiple children too as well. The stigma of having multiple baby daddies. Let's take a look at this clip. They didn't do that, did mm -hmm. they? Yeah, I don't, I didn't know anything. I didn't know, no one would expect to have three baby daddies. Who plans that? Mm -hmm. But when those things start to happen, you don't stop living. You continue to grow and live and learn and make the best out of those situations and things. Who would want to do that? You know, in this judgmental society. Mm -hmm. You just fucked me up because I thought Erica Badu planned it. You did? Absolutely. Okay, well, I planned it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you died. Some part of me. It's got to be, right? Yeah. No. No, let's, let's be transparent, mm -hmm. you know, for, for my sisters out there. Mm -hmm. um, we fall in love. You know, love is a chemical thing. We fall in love. Really, I think God make us fall in love just long enough to get pregnant so that we could go ahead and procreate, keep the race going, and then that dies down, and then everything else is on you. Mm -hmm. Depending on your culture, next step is marriage, or the next step is another mate. The next step is whatever. In our culture, the next step is supposed to be marriage. Mm -hmm. Okay, stop right there. It doesn't fit it. Stop right there. In our culture, depending on your culture, our culture, I don't know about culture. I care about values. I care about principles because culture always changes. What's cool now may not be cool later. What's in now may not be in later. Uh, what's trendy now may not be trending later. Values have the precedence of standing the test of time. And if you just go back to the nature of men and women, okay, first of all, Okay, I'll agree with that first statement. God allows us to fall in love, just like 
We're allowed to fall in love with God. But after you fall in love with God, and for those of you who believe in Jesus, you accept Jesus into your heart and as your Lord and Savior, and you're in this romantic relationship with the Lord. Right? This is, it's an amazing feeling that you have when you, you've been saved. When you now have a man, you now have a faith, <clears throat> you, you have a creator that you believe in, that you're following the Bible. It's a, it's a beautiful thing to have in your life, but everything isn't resting upon you, and that you have an out, that you have a methodology a value system of how to process issues in your life. If you look at the Bible, the first three chapters of Genesis was the greatness of man. First three chapters, man was this, man was put to work, man was, was, was given to him a wife, created from his rib, man got to work in the Garden of Eden. The heat, the sun had to pay attention to how hot or cold Adam and Eve were. They were walking in the garden naked without them knowing they were naked. Next thing you know, chapter three, the downfall of man. And if you look at the Bible, the rest of the Bible is about the continued downfall of man and how to fix your life. And so if you fall in love, it's not just by falling in love and, okay, now, now I got to deal with the reality. Because that's the first phase. First phase, the honeymoon phase, you know, you're the, the, we call it the, uh, you're engrossed, what's that, the lustful phase, yeah. the intoxicated phase. And then you realize, shit, I got a relationship. And a relationship is just not based on love. It's based on your commitments. It's based on, you know, I'm going to choose to love you was the vows, through sickness and health, for better or worse, right? Et cetera, et cetera, until death do us part. That's a choice. That's a commitment. In many of those days, you don't feel like following through with those commitments. But guess what you do? You still follow through those commitments because you have a word of honor. You have a bond. And so, I, I, listen, Erica, I love your music. I just don't agree with this thought process that it being our culture Next step, listen, what's your value system? Are you okay with multiple baby daddies? Are you okay with multiple people, many cooks in the kitchen, and the kids being taught one way when they're not with you, and then you got to reprogram them when they're with you, versus having husband and wife, value system together, grandma, grandpa, grandma, grandpa, six people raising a child, not two people, grandma, grandpa, both sides, mom and dad, two, four, six, raising one child, same value system how much stronger the child will be prepared to attack the world and fulfill the purpose that God created him to be to walk this earth because six adults with the same values and principles are raising a child that's God designed. Your thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you, Matt. You know, I, people will go broke and get beat up by life just trying to keep up with culture. And not only when they end up broke, they're going to end up fatherless and, and they're also going to end up in a very confused state. One of the key things for this position in life is patience. Also understanding and trying to get, get, align yourself with what God has for you specifically as a human being. Not as a man, not as a woman, but as a human being. Know who you are in God. Find your identity in God. The more you seek your identity in God, the more you are aligned with the values and principles that you're supposed to follow. Not following a culture. Like Matt, like Matt said, culture will continually uh, change. It's continually progressing. But just because you're trying to chase the popularity of what culture is right now, what makes sense right now, a lot of people are leading their lives by emotion, not logic. Logic is going to get you a lot further than leading by emotion. But in order for you to be able to lead by logic, you need to be able to tame your emotions and having those sudden outbursts, as she said, having that chemical romance and falling in love consistently. If you see a pattern in your life that you're consistently falling in love back to back to back and having multiple partners back to back to back and not seeing that that's a trend that's actually breaking you and not allowing you to heal as a person. And I think you've referenced this uh, last episode, Matt. When you have one half-ass person, yeah. another half-ass person, you multiply that, you get what? 0.25. 0.25 versus you actually being a whole person, that's going to attract another whole person. And when you have that, you are able to build something bigger and you have a better outcome. So instead of leading by your emotions, trying to find this chemical romance amongst this, in, this world and the culture that we're in, take there a step go. back, yep. follow these, uh, these, uh, these values, these principles, and know that there's something bigger for your life and not just following, by following this culture. Just remember, man, one, in Scripture it says one can set flight to 1,000, but two can set flight to 10,000, mm. which means that that's an exponential number. Serving a purpose <clears throat> greater than yourself creates an exponential return on your life and on your contribution to society and a contribution to the people that love and care about you. When, when Sheena and I get into to troubles and, and, and arguments, I tell you this, it's, it, I don't love her all the time. I don't like her all the time, but I choose her. And uh, since that choice, it's caused a lot of unnecessary distractions 
to naturally just be removed from our life so we can focus on what matters most. It was our family, which is our, 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 our ministry, our, our business, the people that we serve. I guess that's what I believe, that's what I believe a business is supposed to do. It's meant there to serve people. Yeah, you're there to benefit from it, to make a lot of money from it, but your business is there to make a contribution to, and by the way, I wasn't thinking like this when I first started. Because when I first started my business, I was just about survival. How, how can I just pay the bills? But the more I saw the vision of what I was really doing, the impact I was making to people's lives in the insurance business, the more I was being able to create wealth and be able to create generational uh, uh, inheritances to people because they decided to make a financial decision consciously when they're, while they're alive and how much better they are even when they're alive to see what that return could be like five years later, 10 years later, and 20 years later. The weird, the weird reality that I have today is being in this business now for 24 years and see what happened when people made the decision in their 20s and how that now has turned out for the betterment of their life versus the people didn't make the decision in their 20s and how much they regret not making decisions. And I remember seeing them and they, how much regret is in their life just in their 40s. Now, the question you got to ask yourself in your 40s, if you got regret in your life for the next 5, 10, 50, 20 years of your life, will you have more regret in your life so therefore, be wary of what you say yes to and be more, more thoughtful of what you say no to because no, you, th you think yes is a word of freedom? No, no is a word of freedom. Yes is a very expensive word. No keeps your you know what out of a lot of troubles. So speaking of that, let's talk about how to make sure you invest appropriately into a marriage or somebody that you want to date. So let's take a look at this article. How to make sure your marriage lasts a lifetime according to seven happily married women. See, that's a problem today. People aren't asking the right people the right counsel. If you want to be a happily married man, stop asking your single buddies. <laughs> Number one, prioritize date nights. Uh, uh, by the way, let me just show a quick picture around my screen. Right? So this is my wife and I. We, we, we have very busy evenings, so we have date lunches. So this, this is what does uh, what my wife and I do to make sure we prioritize one another. And uh, by the way, she loves it. I'm like, okay, I'm going on this date. And then I find out, I love it too. All right, okay, fine, I'll just go indulge you. Babe, go on a date, fine, let's go. Or sometimes she's like, hey babe, are we gonna go on a date or what? And then I plan and she like, oh, she, she really even vibes with it even more. All right, so prioritize date nights. Number two, uh, remember the little things she mentions. Uh, it's not the big things that most women remember, it's, it's the little things that goes a long way. Um, number three, visit, revisit places you used to love when you're first dating. Well, you know what we always talk about when we go on our date? Mm. So what's it like when we first dated? What were you thinking when you first met? Be, be real, babe. What were you thinking? Huh? Did you want to sleep with me? <laughs> <laughs> tell me, tell me, come on. <laughs> right? And so we, we just poke fun at each other. All right? Number four, learn your wife's love language. You know what the, the love language is? The five love languages? Yeah. Yep. So what are they? They're, uh, they're, uh, 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 Words of affirmation, uh -huh. physical touch, uh, acts of service, gifts, and quality time. That's, damn, bro, look at you. Single man know the five love languages. I'm trying, really trying, Matthew. I'm well, really trying. Right, and by the way, men, we got our own love language. We got our own love language, which uh, for me, my love language is uh, words of affirmation. Mm -hmm. yeah. Sheena's is, uh, um, is uh, uh, acts of service and quality time. Mm. That's her thing. Right? And by the way, most men think it's physical touch because the way my wife makes me feel and the way she touches me. No, bro, it's, <laughs> before, for, for me, back, back to me, Jordan, you know, you know, the thing with me, I, I would have more, I value more these days, because after you get past the sex, the groggy phase of that in your relationship and your marriage, what I value more for my wife these days is not the sex, which is great, it's amazing, but I value more the day-to-day -day interactions of how much she respects me, how she affirms what I'm doing on a daily basis. If I get for an instance that my wife isn't vibing with what I'm doing, it throws me off. The weirdest thing. By the way, I hope, I hope she's not listening to this because I'm giving her some ammo. <laughs> but I love it when my wife gives me words of affirmation. Babe, you got this. You're my king. You're my hero. You're my provider. You're my protector. She gives me these words of affirmation. I can't tell you how much it makes me want to run through a freaking wall. What's your thoughts on that? What's your, what's your, what's your uh, love language? What, uh, well, for, first, um, this podcast, Millionaire Goes Podcast, two dudes talking about their love language. <laughs> I, I, I want to ask you a question. You said that you long for the interaction that you have with her when she speaks on how much she respects you. So my question to you is, would you say that as a man, that oh, maybe we can generalize this to all men, would you say that men find their love 
uh, men find love when women respect them. You, f- you feel the most love when she respects you. So, and if that is the case, mm-hmm. what do you consider respect from a woman? No, for example, don't disrespect me in public. Don't contradict me in public, uh, especially, especially in front of our associates, in front of my family, in front of my kids. Don't disrespect me in front of the kids. Uh, do it privately. Um, don't attack me. Uh, I ain't your boy. I ain't your girl. Uh, uh, so uh, learn how to present things. Learn how to sell things to me. And uh, usually that's with a, a word of kindness, so therefore I know it's coming, right? At least it sets me up. At least, at least I know it's coming. But if you attack me right away, if you, if you have a knee-jerk reaction, I'm going to have a knee-jerk reaction. And now we're both attacking each other. Mm. That's a, it's a lose-lose situation. But uh, she, you know, she comes, babe, what do you think about when I, uh... there he goes. I know that's a setup, right? So that's it. Let's con- By the way, let's continue with this. Uh, number five, use surprise romantic gestures. Okay, romantic gestures. Uh, one of the things I love doing with my wife, I love embarrassing her. She says she doesn't like it, but I know deep down inside she loves it, right? I love, I love, I love publicly embarrassing her. Uh, remember Milton, her birthday, uh, when we first came to Texas? Okay. It was, so I, I got the local- Yes, the marching band. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I got the local high school marching band to come in front of the house. Uh, uh, the whole marching band come in front of the house. And uh, uh, we did a couple karaoke songs to the marching band. But that, that was her. You know, uh, she, she like, babe, that was your thing. But deep down inside, it was her thing too as well. Uh, court, her once, court, court her once a month. I think a basic thing that I hope you should not forget is to court his partner at least once a month. Uh, build that love, earn that love. And number seven, just compliment her, man. Right? So much as I like words of affirmation, so does our wives. You know, I think one of the most viral videos I put out uh, uh, in my IG this last seven days is our talk from last week, which was the most underappreciated, undervalued job in the world, which is a stay-at-home mom, mm. you know? Uh, there's, there's no, there, by the way, there's nothing sexist about that. I, uh, uh, I, I love the fact that women today have the opportunity to be a stay-at-home mom uh, because they had their finances in order. Uh, the husband got the finances in order. He's a provider, he's a protector. Uh, she's in her spot, he's in his spot of, of contribution. And uh, there's nothing more underappreciated in this world than a woman has the opportunity to stay at home, especially in this day and age of everybody having to work because of inflation and things cost more money, uh, which, is, uh, uh, which is leading to my next topic here. Um, when, when, we're, when we're talking about uh, when we're talking what's going on uh, in, in the economy today, about how people are making money, so let's go to this article. I spent five years interviewing 233 millionaires. Here's a number one career move that made them rich. No one, by the way, what do you guys think it is? What's the number one career move you think that made them rich? For those of you that's watching this, what do you think the number one career move is that most people make as millionaires that made them rich? Was it investing in the right company? Was uh, getting hired for the right job? Was it uh, you know, lucking out and selling the right deal? Let's take a look at this article here. I spent five years interviewing 233 millionaires. Here's the number one, here's the number one career move. Number one, they recognize they're being underutilized. Mm. Millionaires in my study often felt like they're always doing zombie work. Same in, day in, day out. So you ever uh, say hi to someone? What's going on, bro? How you doing? Another day, another dollar. Same old, same old. Same old, same old. That's how you know you're being underutilized. And if one day you want to become a first-generation ca- cash flow millionaire, have the social awareness to recognize this. All right, let's go to the second one. The second one, they had toxic bosses. Managers who are self, selfish, arrogant, demanding, or have little interest in your opinions won't help you reach your earning potential. One millionaire said he was so fed with his manager who could only criticize his work instead of giving constructive feedback. Oh, by the way, I hate that, man. Talk to me not just about what I don't do wrong. Talk to me about the things that I do right. Otherwise, you're toxic, man. It's like literally how you see the world is everything I'm doing wrong. Mm-hmm. By the way, side note, personal story. That's why for a minute, I had to stop talking to my dad. When I first started my business, my dad was being very toxic to me. You're a single dad, go get a job. You need, you need to provide for your kids, you need benefits need health insurance, stop with this insurance thing, stop with this, this business thing. You need to make real money. Mm. And then I come home one time, there's a manila folder. Hey, here's a job application for CPD. Here's a job application for FBI. Here's a job application for Secret Service. You still have a security clearance from the military. You need to use it before it expires, right? Before anything bad happens on your record. I said, Dad, would you lay off me? I said, why? Because I'm gonna make a thing of this business. <laughs> he goes, huh. I said, Dad, what would it take for me to get you off my back? He goes, I don't know. You just need to get a job, make some real money because you have people that depend on you. 
I said, Dad, if I make $20,000 in a month, will you back off? He goes, huh. <laughs> That's my dad's response. A few months later, come on Thanksgiving, I show my check for $20,000 in a month. He stopped. He stopped giving me a hard time. And now he's retired. And now he's doing, he's doing, uh, he's doing life here in, in Dallas, Texas. I relocated from Chicago to Dallas. I've retired him. I'm doing responsible financial bills. So got to get rid of the toxic conversation, the toxic boss, bosses. You, you have an opinion on that? About the uh, toxic, toxic bosses? 1,000%. I, um, working in every single job that I had when it comes down to the field that I'm in right now where I have complete freedom to do as I please. If I want to wake up one day, Matthew, and say, you know what, I'm done, I could be done and not have someone breathe down my back or limiting me on on what I can and cannot say. In previous employers, I, I was always extremely limited on what I could and could not do, couldn't state my opinion because it was their gym, their facilities. And that was just limiting the you know the potential that, you know, just my knowledge, my expertise, my trade had on how I can actually serve my clients. So that actually limited the services that I was actually able to give to my clientele, which then again also was limiting the amount of money that I was actually bringing, uh, bringing into, my, uh, into my household. But then same thing, similar to you, to you and your father. Uh, my father was a, uh, and here's the thing, man, this is one thing I don't understand. And I just, I, I never got to ask my father because in 2016 he passed away. But back in his country, in, in Ecuador, he was actually a professor at a big university and he was a lawyer. So this guy was set up pretty freaking well. And then he said, you know what? I'm going to take that and I'm bringing that to the United States and I'm going to make myself something out of that in the United States. He gets here in the, in the late 80s. He ends up meeting my mom. They end up having me. Um, probably a mistake. Definitely a mistake. Yeah. Um, I, don't think I don't think they were being intentional here, with that. Bro. I'm here, though. Um, and then my dad ended up retiring from a Jewel Osco, which is, I think, only located in the Midwest. And you know, a man who's so it's prepared. It's under Albertsons. Yeah, Albertsons. Under Albertsons, exactly. So a man that was super prepared in his country, did super, super well, just to come to the United States to try to get a second chance to do something more, ended up retiring out of out of Ijulasco. So I think for him was more of a fear, like I don't want my son to end up in the same realm that I did and retire at a nine to five job, make a minimum wage. Yep. But in his in his thought process, I'm helping my son. I'm I'm lighting a fire under his ass so that way he can move and stop trying to come up with these business schemes and stop trying to join all these MLMs and stop trying to create mm -hmm. his own business and just get a set firm job. Become a his his dream for me was become a teacher, a lawyer, a doctor, or stay become a police officer and stay in there for at least thirty years. Something secure that's going to bring in a pension, four hundred one k, something that's going to make sure that I would not lose my job. Yep. But every single one of those in 2020 ended up going south. Because of, the, because of COVID. Exactly. Because of the pandemic. Yeah. You know, so as much as we learn more about our relationships, husband and wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, in our tough times, we also learn more about our careers and our businesses our in the tough, tough times. times of the economy to see whether or not it's an essential business or non-essential business or whether that's something that was... Uh, um, because figure, we're going to have another you know, impact in our economy. Sure. There's going to be something that's going to set back our economy. There's going to be another recession. There's going to be <clears throat> a potential another pandemic. And you have to figure out whether or not my income source is still going to be continual during those tough times. Let's go back to this article. So toxic bosses, the next one is people that made a move because they dreaded their office culture. Mm. Toxic office culture. Like you don't want to go to work because of the people there, the work that needs to be done there. There's no vision. There's no mission. There's no impact that you're making in your in your in your your job. So an undermining culture of malicious gossip can make anyone feel a sense of anxiety going into the workday. Okay. By the way, notice this doesn't say competitive. There's a difference between malicious gossip versus a competitive environment. We have a competitive environment, but everybody's excited to compete because we compete in a way that's not that doesn't uh, break you down and actually builds you up. Next one, they aren't paid enough getting raises. So if you want to make moves to make you a millionaire. A value system that made 233 different millionaires millionaires because they realized they weren't paying enough and they weren't waiting around for somebody to make them more money. They couldn't afford the vacation they wanted or save up enough money to buy a house. So thanks to his investment in family and friends, he launched his own dealership and franchise, which allowed him to build significant wealth. They ventured off into the unknown. And last but not least, they had a draining commute. I hate traffic. To me, traffic is an example of somebody stealing my time. Somebody see my time. This guy's working in New York, New Jersey. If you know anything about New York, New Jersey. <sighs> Bobby, anybody here from New York, New Jersey watching this, uh, watching this podcast? How is the traffic from New York, New Jersey? It's, to say it's horrible is an understatement. L.A. traffic, horrible is an understatement. Chicago traffic, not as bad as New York and L.A., but still horrible traffic. So if you're sick and tired of spending the majority of your day 
to work, back from work, being a bus driver for your kids and all the activities, might be time for you to make a big decision to say, let me start a own business, at least on the side, so therefore I can transition out, make my side hustle my main business. So um, I'm gonna transition, transition to the next topic because <laughs> apparently something's going on in, um, something's going on in, in uh, America today. Uh, sadly, the drug situation, uh, due to the tough economy, a lot of people lean more towards alcohol and drugs. And um, that's how you can tell we're going through tough times as a country because restaurants spike in business, liquor companies spike in business, pharmaceutical companies spike in business. And so um, there's this uh, new drug. Tell us about this new drug uh, that's, that's circulating big cities right now, Milton. Uh, so it's uh, xylazine, uh, known as Trank, a Trank dope, which it's basically a, a, an animal tranquilizer that a lot of people got their hands on. Um, uh, so right now, as, as many of you guys may know and been watching the news in these last maybe like year, year and a half, uh, we've had a massive pandemic. We still have a massive pandemic when it, when it comes down to heroin and now fentanyl and now this new tranquilizer that's starting to flow in that a lot of people are starting to make, a lot of these uh, big cartels, drug dealers are starting to make a massive amount of profit off of. Um, and these are actually, these are actually uh, affecting our, our society a lot more than what our regular heroin usage used to affect. Um, and man, like... Jordan, can we do a, a clip, a cut to my, uh, my screen? Yeah. It, it, continue? Yeah, this is... Uh, this drug is going around. Here's this Philadelphia. Yeah. Zombie drug trains are raiding New York. Yep. And... Uh, and you see those people that are just standing around kind of not, like being zombified? Those are people basically nodding off of the drug. Holy moly. They call that nodding. Yeah. 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 And not only, I mean, aside from the fact that these are human beings who are being affected by, by this, and, you know, that's someone's sister, man. That's someone's brother. That's someone's son. That's someone's daughter. That's someone's father or mother. They're on these streets. But now, on, on an economical standpoint, this is also affecting the economy. This is also affecting the, the real estate in the area. It's making people not want to partake in those cities, making people not want to be part of, of, of that specific environment. And, Jordan, is it possible that we can pull up a couple pictures? Yeah, I was looking at And by the way, a couple of businesses like Panera Bread and Starbucks in New York, New Jersey, removed their tables from their restaurants. So therefore, people that are on drugs or people that sadly that are homeless don't hang out in the restaurants. Yeah. So homelessness is a massively growing issue in America. And that's a sign of a bad economy. That's a sign of a society that's going in the wrong direction. So we got, we got these pictures you want to show? Yeah, so these are some pictures that myself and my team, and back in 2018, we took uh, in Lower Wacker Drive in Chicago, Illinois, uh, people shooting up heroin, people shooting up uh, fentanyl, and people shooting up this new track drug that, that exists. Uh, that's uh, right in the jugular vein, man. And then the next couple pictures, if you right have a week. Right Damn. in the neck, jugular vein. And these are the effects, the abscesses from the specific drugs. It's eating her skin, it's eating her flesh. Exactly. So no, no type of medical, uh, medical care, no type of uh, help that these people truly need or resources that these people genuinely need when it comes down to the mental health aspect of it and even physical health aspect of it. You know, I, Matt, I remember um, back in 20, 2018, 2019, when I was involved with this uh, nonprofit, I, I would carry these around. These are Narcan nasal sprays. These are Narcan nasal sprays. And I probably, we saved maybe about four or five lives under Lower Wacker Drive where when someone was completely nodded off and they just fell to the floor and we would have people that would be living with them running up to us or to a van, our van and just bumping, uh, stomping, uh, putting their fists against, uh, against our van trying to get our attention that someone just completely laid out from the heroin overdose or the, the trank or whatever drug that they were consuming. And these are the things that, are, that save people's lives, Narcan. Carrying these around, I still have a habit of carrying these around sometimes where you would put them up their, up their nose and it's kind of like an adrenaline rush. You shoot this up and it blocks the opioid reaction of the drug. And it gives them like a, an automatic withdrawal from, from the drug itself. And the crazy thing is, man, people are so addicted to this drug that when you shoot them up with uh, nar uh, Narcan nasal spray, they would get up, they will shove you and get pissed that you took away their high. Oh, and they spend wow. their hard-earned money on the drug that they shoot it up. And a lot of them were actually trying to take themselves out. They're done with life. Wow. I'm over it. I don't want anything to do with life anymore. This was my way out. And now you come along being a good Samaritan. You, you revive them. And now they're mad at you for giving them a second chance in life. 
And the thing is, it's, it's beautiful that a lot of people, a lot of churches, nonprofit organizations go around putting a bandaid over the situation, you know, holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, yep. whatever the case may be, handing out clothing and food. That's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I honor that and I understand where they're coming from. But that's just a bandaid over the drastic issue that we have. And I think whoever's watching, I think it's, it's time to be able to create a system or a, a permanent solution that's going to be a win-win, not only for the people who are affected by this, the homeless people, but also people who are, are willing or, and open-minded to the idea of donating and how that can actually benefit them on a financial level. Because again, yeah. if we have homelessness, homelessness on your streets, that's going to affect real estate, that's going to affect the safety of your children and your family. Mm-hmm. But if we're able to take it, take us, uh, take that problem and create a solution for it on a grander scale and take these people off the streets in a in a, in a strategic manner, on a financial level, it's going to make more sense. On a safety level, it's going to make more sense. And we're also giving another uh, a human a second chance at life. You know, and by the way, it's, it's a very hurtful thing to see because I've had family members, yeah. uh, people that are very close to me too, sadly get hooked on drugs and and their life is spiraled southward and. And, uh, you know, and, and if you've ever had somebody in your family with addictions, mm. it's very difficult to try to get them out of it because it's such a strong pull uh, on it. But, uh, you know, there, that's where financial resources come into play. So, therefore, you have the financial resources to get them out and put in the rehab center. And those rehab centers aren't cheap either. If somebody isn't willing to donate money to get you in a, a kid in a rehab center or a family member in a rehab center, you, you know, good luck trying to get them to stay in your house and live in your house. You got a job, you got a business, you got a family, and they're stealing everything in your house to sell it at the pawn shop down the street so they can, they can get their high. So it's, it's a real problem that's happened not just in the inner cities, it's happened more and more in the, in the wealthy parts of our, of our suburbs. Mm-hmm. It's just not an inner city problem anymore because of the, with the wealthy kids and rich families that have now the financial resources to get the drugs. So it's just not an inner city, it's just not an inner city problem. It should just be limited to the stigma of just being an in, in inner city, which leads me to a video here by Economist uh, I'm a huge fan of, his name is Milton Friedman, but he talked about what's going on in America from the economy, from inflation and also alcoholism. So let's take a look at this clip by Milton Friedman. If you, have, if you guys don't, uh, uh, don't ever uh, read about economics or understand the, the crisis we have in our country, it's economists like this that talk about the benefits of the strength of capitalism. I'm a huge fan of capitalism because it allows two guys like Milton and I that don't have college degrees between the two of us to run a successful business, being six figures and seven figures, because we chose to take a risk on ourselves. We bet on ourselves, we chose to invest in ourselves, and that's the benefit of capitalism. Capitalism is free to buy, free to sell, free to win, and free to fail. And sometimes in the failures comes the seeds of your greatest victory. So let's take a look at what Milton Friedman said here about inflation and alcoholism. Let's take a look at this. Inflation is just like alcoholism in both cases when you start drinking or when you start printing too much money. The good effects come first, the bad effects only come later. That's why in both cases, there's a strong temptation to overdo it, to drink too much and to print too much money. When it comes to the cure, it's the other way around. When you stop drinking or when you stop printing money, the bad effects come first and the good effects only come later. That's why it's so hard to persist with the cure. That's why it's so hard to persist with a cure. You know, sometimes, you know, we do workshops on a weekly basis, financial workshops on a weekly, twice a week we actually do financial workshops. And people want to make a decision, they want to make a decision. Say, no, I ain't got the money. No, I ain't got time. Well, listen, you, you're not in a position where you badly want financial success. You're not in a position where you really want to be financially independent that bad. You know why? Because think about how bad you were just talking about. How bad somebody that wants that high, that is an alcoholic, that is, is high on drugs, how bad they want that high. They spend every last dollar, they sell everything, they lose their home, they lose their family just to get that high, just to get that fixed for 20 minutes, for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. So you tell me out there, you're in a position of mediocrity and you don't want to invest your money, you don't want to put yourself in a better financial position because I'm too busy or I don't have money. Listen, one thing the pandemic has showed us, that people got money to spend because the malls were packed during COVID. So they start releasing people. So you're telling me an alcoholic, as hurtful as it is for me to say this, you're telling me an alcoholic, a drug addict, a gambler is more concerned and prioritizing their fix to get their thing than you about being financially independent, to make sure your kids don't have these financial shackles of college student loan debt, that you don't don't want to be in a position where you're financially free, financially independent, to not be affected by gas prices, not be affected by twelve dollar what twelve dollar 
a, a, a package of eggs. Mm. And so the effects of you fighting inflation, you the effects of getting your ass kicked by inflation, in the meantime, it, it's not going to be fun. But the long-term effects of you having the right activities compounded consistently over an extended period of time, then eventually creates exponential benefits. You know, a couple weeks ago, um, we were in Orlando. Remember our conference in uh, Orlando? Yeah, mid-year. Yeah, yeah mid-year event, uh, uh, doing the impossible. So we had America's IRA expert out there, Ed Slot. He's a CPA from New York. Mm. I was talking to him backstage. I said, uh, what has been your observation of the most successful people in your career? He said, listen, uh, the more I watch people, here's, here's, here's my premise. If you do the same activities, the same constructive activities over and over every day for the next 20 years, then you'll be an overnight success. <laughs> 20 years. 20 years is an overnight success. And I, I said, cool, what about, can I accelerate that to 10 years? Because he didn't have social media or technology on the right. when it was coming up. Yeah. So I think today, if you, if you do the same thing over and over, the right habits, the right activities on a daily basis, you'll be an overnight success in 10 years. But here's the problem though, people don't want to hear that. People, I want success in the next six months, next 12 months, okay. Where's all the crypto guys now? Where's all the NFT guys now? You don't hear very much of them, you hear us. And by the way, it's not like we went away. So a lot of these guys have lost their wealth because they're looking for the next big thing, they got caught up. Let's go to the next video here. Uh, about celebrities making, um, actually, let's go to the next one, uh, Jordan. How wealthy people stay wealthy and what we can learn from this TikTok. Come on. Let's take a look at this. Let's say you buy a house for $100,000, guys, right? You only put down 20000 You put 20% down. The bank gives you the other 80000 okay? Mm -hmm. Then Le leverage. you put $20,000 into the property to fix it up, which is value add, which is what Kenny was discussing. That property now goes up to 200000 Then you can go ahead and do a cash out refinance, and you could pull out, what, 70%? Remember, you only put in about $40,000 of your own money into the deal. Now you're getting 140,000 out. You can take that 140 tax-free, which is the key, yeah. and roll it into buying another asset. You ain't paying it, your tenants are. Right. So right. why not continue to do that and buy and hold? Your this is how the wealthy stay pays wealthy. That off. Okay. Here's the, here's the danger in that premise. By the way, on paper, it looks great. Every real estate, by the way, I've been through recession in 01, 07, 09, and now this current economy. A lot of guys love that talk. It looks great. It's only 20000 of my own money. It's leverage money from the banks. But what do you say? You're not paying, making the payment. Your tenants are. Well, guess what happens during a recession? Tenants lose their job. When tenants lose their job, guess what? They stop paying. Rent. Rent. If they don't pay rent, guess who's got to pay rent? You do. If you don't have enough of a bankroll, enough money stuck in the bank to pay the mortgage or to pay the rent because they're not paying it, guess what happens to you eventually over a three-month Four month, six month period. You go into, you slip into default, and you slip into foreclosure court. Now you're talking to the man. So real estate investing from the outside looks great, looks great on paper. But there's a lot of elements in that video there that they are not telling you about. But by the way, I respect the, uh, those guys. Uh, uh, Fresh and Fit. Fresh and Fit. Podcast. Fresh and Fit guys there on, on PVD's podcast a minute ago. Respect to those guys and what they're doing. I don't agree with all the things that they talk about in terms of the, uh, the, the red pill uh, types of society, but uh, that premise there in terms of just being a real estate investor, that's correct. There's, there's a lot of innuendos there. They're not talking a 30-second, 60-second clip. So even with our stuff, we don't want you saying, okay, Matt and Milton said this and this and that and take it as gospel. No, we want you to inspire yourself to awareness, to get more education, so therefore you can surround yourself with the right people on the right platform, so therefore the right things can happen in your life. So, Milton, I know you've seen a lot of uh, people uh, dabbling in real estate. People are being intrigued to get you involved in real estate. What, you, you've invested in real estate to yourself. What's the realities of real estate investing? The moment that, and forgive my language, but the moment that everything went to shit, <laughs> the tenants immediately say, hey, Milton, I got furloughed. Yep. I, I can't pay the rent, man. I'm so sorry. And, you know, at, at first, you're like, you're, you're pissed off, but I, I blame myself for not doing the thorough. Well, first of all, I blame myself for getting family involved. That, that was my very first mistake, getting family, getting, uh, lending a hand to a family member thinking that they would be able to be good for, for the entire for the entire thing, which is why now I understand you can't really mix family and business. Um, but no, man, yeah, for what well, for bro, six I, months, I had to pay. Uh, I'll I'll, by the way, I'll push back with you on that one, but uh, go ahead, continue that thought in terms of family and business. Yes, yeah, for, for six months, I'm yeah. the one who, had to end up, uh, who ended up paying the rent. And that's when I wasn't prepared for that because yeah. I thought, oh, this is easy. I have a property. I rent the property. They pay it off. I charge a little bit more. I make some extra cash, use extra cash to pay off the utility bills or put it into a savings account so I can create more money, stack it up, and then buy another property. 
But then I wasn't expecting the interruption of, hey, I'm furloughed. I can't pay for this rent for the next X amount of time. Hey, well, Rich, hey, Rich n- nephew, hey, Rich family member, yeah. you got me, right? Automatically, man. So you got to learn the game. That, 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 that's the, the very first thing. You, you can't be a rookie like myself and go into the game thinking like, oh, I got this. This is so easy. I'm just going to follow some guys on TikTok telling me what to do, how to do it, and then expect that it to turn out the way it should be doing when in reality you have no idea what the hell you're doing. Some of the biggest malls right now in America are defaulting on their mortgage payment. Biggest malls. Because they're not getting rental income from the big box stores like the Gaps, right? And, and the, you know, the, just the, the, the JCPenney's and the Sears and you know, the typical you know, stores you see in the mall. They're not getting the rental payment from them. If they're not getting the rental payment, they can't make the mortgage payment, so they're slipping in default. And that's when opportunity exists for somebody that has cash and credit on their side, sitting on the sideline, ready to, ready to go into the market. So um, I know we're running short on time, but uh, I want to go to the next, next video here. Um, um, Jordan, let's go to the... Uh, uh, U.S. government to hit debt ceiling. Let's ca- skip a couple of those videos. U.S. government to hit debt ceiling uh, video. The next gen. Uh, I'm sorry. Let's go. Uh, yeah, let's go to that one. U.S. government to hit debt ceiling. What that means to us. U.S. might soon be unable to, to bar- borrow money to pay its debts. Here's what's going on and how it's going to affect you. The debt ceiling is going to be hit on Thursday. Currently, borrowing is capped at $31.4 trillion. If nothing happens, the Treasury Secretary can delay the default until June. If the debt limit is reached, interest rates would increase. Mortgage rates, credit card rates, and car loans would all be affected. Social security payments would come to a halt. Federal government facilities wouldn't stay open. Your tax refund might not go out. The value of the dollar would drop. And inflation and unemployment would likely spike. Overall, the domestic and global economy would take a massive hit. So what this means is that the United States of America cannot pay what it owes. So they have to raise capital or in this case increase debt to borrow more from the American people to add it onto the national debt to create the, the, the money to create the payment to pay off the debt that they can't afford to borrow. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So in other words, Milton, if you had $100,000 in debt and you couldn't afford the mortgage payment, Okay, you, see, you, got, you got some property, you had $100,000 in sure. You can't afford the $2,000 uh, mortgage payment. Mm-hmm. And then you go to another bank. Hey, can I borrow another fifty grand because I need some breathing room because I can't afford $100,000? They're like, no problem. What's it for? Oh, I can't afford to pay, uh, pay off my, my debt. So you ask for more debt because you can't pay off your original debt. What do you think the bank will say? Yeah. What, what, what do you think they'll tell you? Hey, you, uh, you applied to a bank because you can't afford to pay off your debt, mm-hmm. but you need more money to pay off the debt. What do you think the bank will tell you? Yes or no? No. Of course. Yeah. If you can't afford to pay your original debt, why yeah. are you borrowing more money from us? from us? No is the freaking right answer. But guess what the <clears> politicians <throat> want to do? They want to increase the debt. And who, in turn, is going to pay for it? Us. Mm-hmm. And those things they just mentioned, they're going to shut down certain things. They're going to lower. That's why people that have Social Security today, back then you, t- you were able to take your Social Security at full retirement age of 65. People today can't take out their Social Security until 67. If you're younger in age, 70. Mm-hmm. So they're pushing the age when you can take out your full retirement social security. Same thing too with these parks. You notice a lot of government facilities are starting to squeeze down their hours now. That's a result of it. So if, don't follow government as a way to manage your finances. Government is the worst example of financial management. It's the worst example because all they do is just fight around who gets the money. And if they can't uh, get enough money to their special interest groups, what do they do? They put on you as a taxpayer to raise more money. Which, by the way, the city and state where we're from, Chicago, Illinois, guess where the highest property taxes are in the United States of America? City of Chicago. By the way, heard last night that Mayor Lightfoot is out. She conceded. No way. We have a new mayor in Chicago. Valles, Latino, in Chicago. That's how that plays out. So, uh, hey, I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to that. Chicago definitely needed some yeah. different management because Chicago basically runs all of Illinois. Let's go to the last video here. Uh, TikTok video that uh, is very near and dear to my house, being Filipino, near and dear to my heart because I'm Filipino. Mm. Egg prices, egg prices have risen 137 percent from last year. What? Let's take a look at this. Line of cars is 30 minutes long at Billy's Egg Farm in Southern California. I appreciate you waiting. And workers are scrambling to meet demand. We pack eggs in here eight to four o'clock nonstop. He sells 25,000 fresh eggs a day for five dollars a dozen. That's a pretty good bargain right now. Grocery stores are seven to nine dollars a dozen. That's if you can find them. This is what a lot of store shelves here look like. Nationwide prices for grade A eggs are up 137 percent from last year to an average of 4.25 a dozen. 
Why is there a shortage right now? What's going on? Well, I'm sure you heard there is a bird flu in the Midwest, and most of the eggs that come to our grocery stores here in California come from the Midwest. So far, almost 58 million birds in the U.S. have been infected or euthanized. It's the country's worst outbreak ever. But the American Egg Board says inflation is an even bigger part of the problem. And there's another factor in California. All eggs sold in the state now have to come from cage-free chickens, like Billy Mouse. It's expensive. It's about 20 to $25 per bird to switch over to cage-free. Do you think your price will come back down? I'm sure hoping so. I'm hoping it just levels off. We just picked up this dozen eggs for more than six bucks, but even at that price, eggs are still some of the cheapest forms of protein. And keep in mind, they last a month in your fridge, so there's no reason to rush out to the store. Prices have declined slightly in recent weeks, but Easter's right around the corner. Easter? What are you talking about Easter? You're talking about breakfast tomorrow morning. Eggs don't last in my household for more than a week. Shoot, five days. Expensive as omelet, man. So I, for breakfast, I eat... Uh, Two eggs Two and eggs. rice. And rice. Is that okay? Is that okay breakfast? That's an extreme Filipino breakfast. Huh? <laughs> That's a Filipino breakfast, Matthew. <laughs> it's tocino and then longanisa <laughs> and some coffee. But uh, seriously, uh, eggs, 137% increase in eggs. So inflation on top of that is tacking on the, the cost of these things. So when, when, you, when you're looking at, looking at these things, I've been actually looking around here in Dallas for a uh, local farm. I want to buy eggs from a local, local farm. farm. That's smart. So, like, straight from the local farm without going through the grocery store. But I think we have more access to it here in Dallas, Texas, than you know other big cities across the country. But um, what's what's you know, what's another what's another form of protein? Would you say if if people don't want to buy eggs? And by the way, there are people out there in, in our communities. We eat eggs every day, mm-hmm. every other day. If not that, definitely on Sunday mornings. You know, uh, right before doing what we do on Sundays. But. Uh, What's another form of protein that people can use for breakfast? That's also inexpensive if, if people get their ass kicked with the cost of eggs. Surprisingly, although eggs are expensive, chicken breasts are are, are still haven't have still haven't been affected as much, which is surprising, right? You you would because, you because would, they, you they would just assume, use on chickens, yeah. Yeah, you would assume that ch- uh, chicken breasts and chicken as a whole will be affected, but ch- chicken is a pretty good protein source. If you're looking for something more on the cheaper side, uh, attainable side, without having to prep. Uh, Greek yogurt for, for breakfast. Really? Some Greek yogurt. Maybe take some protein powder, scoop it in there, stir it up, make it into more of a pudding. It's an extreme high protein source. And you start your day off with high protein, you have high energy. And also people who consume high amounts of protein are more likely to reduce in body fat in, in the long run and also have more energy throughout the day versus you consuming a high carb uh, meal and fat meal. So starting your day off with protein... Your midday meal being high in protein, your end meal being high in protein is going to keep you sustained with energy and also going to help you have a lean body, especially if that's what you're trying to attain in the next couple of months now that summer's coming up. Here's my antidote for combating gas prices and egg prices and inflation. Make more damn money. Increase your capacity. Learn a new skill set. Grow, develop, work it on the side. Don't wait for your current employer. Don't wait for anybody else to give you a pairs that you think you deserve or you think that you're entitled to. The world doesn't owe you anything, man. It's probably unpopular guidance there, but nobody owes you anything. You go out there and get it. This is America, the land of three, the home of the brave. Home of the free and the land of the brave. It's not for somebody to give it to you either. Mm. Just because a country is filled with freedom doesn't mean somebody's got to land freedoms on your lap. You got to go out as a citizen, exercise it, go demand it of yourself, not that you feel you're entitled for it, demand it. Is it going to be a reality in my life or not? Because you're looking at two guys right in this podcast, we're, we're not going to sit here and tell you to lower your standards. We're here to actually raise them. This can be a very annoying podcast for you to listen to week in, week out, and, and the right people will listen to it, and the wrong people will tune out. But if you want to play financial offense, you want to play offense, period, in your <clears> life, <throat> get your financial resources together, get your financial house in order, stop with the complaining, stop looking for excuses, stop looking for a, a lower standard. We're in a situation right now where America needs warriors, not just warriors for, with helmets and rifles, warriors in the home, men to stand up, women to stand up, start working together instead of against each other. We're a very strong country when we're united, not divided. And so if you're looking at this podcast, you're looking at what we're talking about here on a, on a weekly basis in terms of fatherhood and relationships and finance and fitness, we're always going to be raising our standards. So if you're looking for somebody out there to help you do that. Proactively seek out a mentor. Find people out there that just doesn't have a TikTok or a, a, a podcast or YouTube channel that's talking about money. See the actual work they do. Study them. 
Last night at our close at Milton, I, I can't tell how many people came into our workshop. Now, we don't advertise our workshops. We don't do social media advertising. We don't, don't do any, it's all word of mouth. Wow. And if five people walked in my office last night with, uh, from other teams, yeah, I know Matt Zavall, I know Patrick David, I know you guys, I watch you guys on da 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 da, and I know you guys are real because, listen, this, this podcast, I don't make any money at this. I don't, I don't pocket, we use the money from here to feed other jobs. We're paying for a studio, we're paying, we're paying for other things in our office. I'm not collecting a salary. I collect a salary for my primary business, which yeah. is PHP Agency. But we do this because we want to create awareness. We do this because we want people to know that there are ways out there and people out there to send an example, hopefully you look into ours, of people that's not complaining, people that don't feel entitled to anything. And because of capitalism, because of entrepreneurship, because of taking ownership of our financial situation, we're in a much different financial position today. So therefore, our families lean on us differently, respect us differently, and we become the leaders of our home. Milton? 1,000%, piggybacking off of that. Rub elbows with the right people, guys, and ask a lot of questions. There's nothing wrong with asking questions. The more questions you ask, let me, let me rephrase that. The more, uh, the smarter questions you ask, the more, clear, the more clear-cut questions you ask, the more direct questions you ask, the more clear of an answer you're going to get. There's nothing wrong with asking questions, especially when you're asking questions to the right people. If you have financial, uh, you have financial questions, ask questions to the financial person. If you have questions about health and fitness, ask questions to the right person. If you have questions about the economy, you have questions about real estate, you have questions about things that you are curious about that you might be curious about inter- entering that field, find the right people, ask questions. And here's the thing, man, we have so much information in the palm of our hands. This phone can make you so much money if you know how to use it the right. correct way. Yeah. Instead of scrolling through Instagram, scroll, instead of scrolling through TikTok, it's just watching nonsense. Instead of going on Pornhub and all these porn sites and just jack it off in the evening, find something for at least 10, 15, 20 minutes a day that you can invest into a trade, a skill, and you'll see where you're going to end up in the next year, two years with that if you actually apply it into your life. And you'll see that you become financially free. You'll be able to let go of that job. Stop letting people ju- uh, dictate how your life is being ran, and you'll be able to give your family and yourself the freedom that you want and you always long for. Come on, baby. Come on, baby. I appreciate it. So, uh, Miriam Rivera, I appreciate you watching this. It's entire. appreciate your comments here in our live chat. Uh, um, yard work, exclamation point. appreciate you following us and uh, giving us our feedback on live chat. And uh, Emiliano Rivera, I appreciate you watching us. And uh, I know we're just launching this off, but uh, this is something we're committed to doing. And so I appreciate you. If you've been watching this, and you found value from it, please like this video. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, Millionaire Goals Podcast, and make sure you follow my man, Milton Alvarez, here on Instagram. Can you mention your Instagram handle? At uh, SMB Performance underscore. SMB Performance underscore. underscore. That's it. Easy. With that being said, I'm your mighty smart guy, Matt Sapal, on behalf of my co-host here, Milton Alvarez from Dallas, Texas. We appreciate you for tuning in every Wednesday, noon, Central Standard Time. We'll be right here help you and serve you that being said god bless you till we meet again continue to live smart continue to love smart and be money smart today see you next wednesday